0: Thank you. You may be seated. Our next Scripture reading and lesson will be taken from the New Testament book of John. John chapter 1. If you have a copy of the Word, you'd like to turn there with me. John chapter 1. This is one of the most famous portions of the Bible. John chapter 1. We'll be reading together from verse 1 down to verse number 14. The Gospel according to John. The New Testament begins with Matthew, as we've heard a moment ago. Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. And John, a very interesting man, has written not just this book, but three little letters at the end of the Bible as well. But we're looking at the gospel record according to John, beginning in verse 1. Listen to these famous words that are worth hearing Today, really every day, but this day as we remember the birth of our Savior. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe." He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them of grace and truth. May God bless the reading of His Word. We come to our final lesson tonight and taken from these rich words of John, the Apostle. And in this we find such words of life, but we also find a summary of all we have just read and heard tonight. It might be a bit of a, a rush, a mad rush in your mind as we've read Scripture after Scripture and sung Christmas carol after Christmas carol, and maybe you're a little confused by it all, but it goes all the way back to that first lesson we read at the beginning tonight. Would you look this way for a moment? All the way back to the beginning, when God created man and created woman, and he placed them in a garden, the scriptures tell us. And God walked with man. There was a unique fellowship that man has never since experienced quite like that day. Man was in perfect communion with his God. There was no sin. There was no disease. There was no corruption. It was perfect. It was a world of perfection. The Bible says God saw it and it was good. There was no bad in it. But we read in Genesis chapter 3 that something happened to ruin it all. And that something is that little three-letter word that nobody likes to use today, the word sin. Man willingly and deliberately disobeyed God. And we find ourselves today in 2022 in a bigger mess than ever before. Our world as you know it is full of darkness, full of brokenness. And no matter how advanced society has become, no matter how much we pride ourselves on our intellectual advancements and technology and medicine and information and so on, no matter how much we pride ourselves, we are just as rotten today as ever before. We like to pat ourselves on the back and recognize ourselves as somewhat of a civilized society, but we couldn't be further from the truth. We may look good on the outside and dress a little bit more decently than we have in the past. We may have more financially and materially than other other worlds around us or other countries and nations around us have, but make no mistake about it, we're just as broken as any people. You know that yourself. You don't need me or anyone else to stand here tonight and tell you that really in the depth of your own heart and mind is a brokenness that cannot be avoided. And you may put on a brave face, a smile, and nice Sunday clothes to come to the Christmas carol service, but we all know that when we look in the mirror every single day, we look right into the face of someone who is not what they should be. We know it. And we like to justify ourselves by saying we're not quite as bad as he is or not quite as bad as she is. Yes, I'm not perfect, we may tell ourselves. I know I'm not what I should be, but at least I'm not like them. We have a problem. That problem is our sin has separated us from God. You don't even need to read the scriptures to see that. But we do find in the Word two wonderful truths that I want to share with you tonight. We read a moment ago, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We know this is speaking of Jesus Christ. We know that because in verse 14 it says, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus became a man and lived on this earth. Now, some people think that Jesus began his existence when he was born in a manger in Bethlehem. But you've missed one of the greatest truths of Scripture. And that is the truth that Jesus Christ is eternal. He's always been. He just made his earthly appearance, as it were, when he was born in a manger. Verse 14 says, we beheld his glory. There's a truth that we find throughout the scriptures and it's a truth we find in our hearts today and that truth is that there is a God. Most of the world agrees on that. Most of the world agrees, although they differ on who that may be, most of the world agrees that there is a God. That's faith's irreducible minimum, you could say. When you strip it all back, most every faith says there is a God. We know that tonight, don't we? I couldn't help but think of Job. You know the story of Job, a man who suffered much, lost everything that he had, everything that he owned. He lost his own children, tragically, in the space of a few hours. And in his conversation in the book of Job, he acknowledges the reality of God. He begins in chapter 9 by saying, how should man be just with God? How can a person be made right with God. He recognizes that not only is there a God, but because there's a God, there is some measure of accountability to that God. Now, you know that there's a government. And because there's a government, there's a measure of accountability to it. And all the governments of the world have the same expectation. There's a law that is made, and they expect you to keep it. And you might be able to slip beneath the radar for for a length of time, for a measure of time, and get away with all sorts of crimes and criminal behavior. But let's be honest, it catches up. And in the same way, when you enter from one nation to the next and recognize there's a government, rules, and laws, there is a greater government, one that isn't seen with the eye. And there's a greater law that is expected of us to keep. And so Job thus says through his suffering, how should man be just with God. And he speaks about the reality of this God, how great he is. He removes the mountains and they know not. He overturns them in his anger. He shakes the earth out of her place. He commands the sun and it rises not or seals up the stars. He speaks about the the magnitude of God, who God alone spreads out the heavens. He he makes the stars. He does great things past finding out without wonders, without number. He goes by me and I don't even see him. He passes on also, I perceive him not. He taketh away and who can stop him? Who can hinder him? There is a God. There is a God. But with the understanding that there is a God comes this trembling fact that we are accountable to him. Now, this is what Christmas is all about. The message of a coming Savior is is the answer to our fears, the answer to our heart's longing. We know there's a God, and we know that there's an accountability to him, and there's even a day of reckoning, meaning there's a court hearing for you and I. Now, you might be thinking today that, well, if there is a God, I've lived my life like this all all the days of my life. I've never had any problems. I've never been caught. So I've done a few silly, naughty things. What's the big deal? The big deal is that there is a day of reckoning. When I was 16 years old, I sometimes share this story. When I was 16 years old, I finally got caught. I was a bit of a naughty boy as a teenager growing up. I suspect like some of our young lads here. And uh, I like I couldn't help myself that's at least what I told my mother I couldn't help myself but get into a bit of trouble. And I was getting away with it. In fact, I was getting away with it so frequently and regularly that I thought really I was invincible. I would never be caught. And my acts of mis- mischief seemed to grow larger and larger, and my acts of daring and risking seemed to grow. Wider and wider and bigger and bigger until finally one day I was caught. Me and a cousin of mine were caught borrowing somebody else's car. Now I use the word borrow because I did return it when I was finished. But I was caught. And when I was caught, a court date was set that me and my cousin were to appear at. Now, the interesting thing was, I thought I was having a grand time. My cousin and I thought we were having a whale of a good time. We enjoyed ourselves every moment of it. We enjoyed our our mischief. We enjoyed, let me use this word, our sin. And we thought at the end of the night, we had done what we had done and gotten away with it. We were free. But in reality... We were just waiting for the announcement that we had been caught. And let me give you an announcement tonight. Are you listening? Would you look this way? You've been caught. You've been caught by a God that sees all and knows all. He knows the thoughts in your mind and the intentions of your heart. He knows everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. He knows you've been caught. And there's a court date that's already been set and you cannot escape it just like I couldn't escape that court date at the age of 16. That's the problem. The problem is every one of us have broken the law of God, sinned against God, we've been caught, and there's coming a day that we refer to as a day of judgment. It's coming very soon. And we, like Job in chapter 9, cry out. Job says in verse 33, Verse 32, he's not a man. God is not a man as I am, that I should answer him. Some people talk like this sometimes. They say, well, when I see God, I'm going to tell him a thing or two. My friend, when you see God, you'll fall flat on your face. You'll be so stricken with fear that you can't open your mouth. I'm going to give him an earful. My friend, not so. You couldn't be more foolish to say such a thing. He is not a man like I am that I should answer him and that we should come together in judgment. And Job says something very sad. Listen to what he says. Neither is there any daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. Job feeling the reality of his brokenness and sinfulness and God's awesomeness and holiness, he cries out and says, Not only is God not like me, but there's nobody to stand between me and God that can put his hand on God and put his hand on me and bring us together. There's no one. Can I tell you, that's exactly what runs through the mind and heart of most of humanity today. Those who acknowledge there's a God, and and, and the truth is most of us don't want to acknowledge it because we don't want to recognize that we've been caught and that there's a day of judgment. And so instead we try to push him out of our mind. But if you stop and think about the reality of God and the reality of that day, you might, like Job, begin to sweat because there's no one between you and God, no one to stand there and say, hold on a moment, God, be merciful. No one to stand there and say, hold on, he wasn't that bad. I'll vouch for him. No friend to stand up on your behalf because the truth is on judgment day, there'll be nobody there. You can't hide behind your father or your mother or your husband or your wife or your pastor or your deacon or your elder. But the Apostle Paul knew something that Job didn't know. The Apostle Paul knew something that Job, he experienced something that Job didn't. And Paul tells us in his letter to Timothy, in 1 Timothy 2 verse 5, he says this, for there is one God. And we know that to be true. There is one God. Job knew that. But Paul discovers something else. Are you listening? There's one God and one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. Christmas is all about the arrival of a mediator. Christmas is all about the coming of someone who can stand between us and God put his hand on God without being consumed by the anger and wrath of God and judgment of God and can put his hand on man without being tainted by his sin. Christmas is all about the coming of a mediator that is able to grab your hand and grab God's hand and unite us together through the sacrifice of his own self. That's what Christmas is all about. One mediator who's come to bring us back to God. Look, you can't do it. The same way I couldn't stand before that judge when I was 16 years old and say, and pretend like I didn't do what I did. That's our way of trying to get right with God, making excuses, justifying ourselves. Forget about it. Forget about it. But there is a mediator. There's someone that Job didn't really know about. There's one mediator, one savior, Jesus Christ. And look at me, you and I need both. We need God and we need the mediator. Man needs God. Like it or not, we, we live in a society that's trying to tell you, a, a small minority is trying to tell you that you don't need God. Isn't that though it's interesting to me, that it's usually a small minority that makes the most noise and gets to somehow make all the rules and regulations and laws and expectations. And the majority of humanity doesn't believe it, but they just go along with it. And there's a small minority today that tells you, you don't need God. We're far advanced now. And people are just going with the flow. But man needs God. We are restless and we are ill at ease until we find God. You're searching in life for something until you lay hold on him. We were made. We were created so that we must eat, so that we must breathe, so that we must sleep, and so that we must worship. We were created that way. Yeah, not me. You say, I'm far too refined to need to worship. I'm far, I don't need that. You do. And if you don't worship the one true living God, you'll find someone else or something else to worship. That's the way we are. That's why you find men who worship cars or they worship football. People go mad over football. We, worship, we were created to worship, and we were created to worship God. One man said that the instinct of adoration is in our blood. And we are never what we should be until we find the one at whose feet we can lay the tribute of our devotion. That's a good quote, but not only do we need God, but we need a mediator. There's one God, and one is enough. By the way, one is enough. Every once in a while, somebody says, "Well, hold on. What makes you think your God is the is the one true living God? I, what about all of these gods? Hold on. One God is enough, don't you think? Sometimes one is an abundance. It's enough. Felicity or happiness." Lies in simplicity. Why complicate it by wanting a choice of gods? There's one God. And no one who is truly yearning after God, hungering to find God, no one who really wants God and thirsts for God like a deer panting after the water books, no one like that will resent the statement that there's but one God. In fact, they will breathe a sigh of relief. Someone whose heart is really searching for God will breathe a sigh of relief when they hear that there's just one God and just one mediator. There's just one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can get to the Father except through me. You don't need a host of gods when you have the God of hosts multiplicity breeds perplexity. There's one God and there's one mediator. And we read in the book of Acts that there's one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And that is the name of Jesus Christ. And that's why Christians get excited every December 25th. Well, that's why we get excited every Sunday, every day, hopefully every day of our lives. Because we have met the one true living God because we've met his son, our mediator, Jesus Christ. And he's taken our lives and turned them upside down, inside out, and given us purpose to live and direction in life, and our eyes have been opened. We've seen the light. You say, you've been brainwashed. Yes, my brain needed washing. And so does yours. Our brains have become filthy by the rubbish of this world. Our thoughts have become dark and twisted. Have you, ever, have you ever just been sat there thinking, where did that thought come from? Your brain needs washing. And that can only be done through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what he came for. And tonight, if you're hungry, if you're searching and you're longing for truth and for what that, that is missing in your heart and life, I'm telling you what it is. It's Christ Jesus our Lord. He's the light of life that came to lighten every man. And if you'll turn to him today, the Bible says this, that he came that through him might, that all might believe. And if you would believe on him today, if you would look to Christ, acknowledge that not only is there a God, but you're in trouble with that God and you need a mediator, you need a savior. And if you'll acknowledge that that savior is Jesus, you will be saved. The Bible says whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this Christmas season, what you need is not a better car. What you need is not a brighter diamond necklace or diamond ring. What you need is not the latest video game. What you need is salvation. And that's found in Jesus Christ. Wrapped up in flesh. He came to this world to live a perfect sinless life. And died on the cross for your sins in your place. And if you would repent, turn from your sins... And cry out to him and believe on his name, you will be saved. Will you do that tonight? Look, stop playing games, you've been caught. And your court appearing is coming sooner than you could ever imagine. That day of judgment is coming sooner than you could ever imagine. That's why Jesus came, to make you ready, so that he could stand by you on that day, hold up his nail-pierced hands before God, and says, I know. I know he's sinned I know all he's done but I've paid for that debt I've died for him I've died for her she belongs to me I've washed away his sins and the father will look at your defense attorney Jesus Christ and will open his arms and say well done my good and faithful servant enter into rest that's the promise on that day of judgment for the Christian for the believer are you trusting in him? But if you think you'll show up on judgment day by yourself and be just fine, you're mistaken. Jesus came to save you. Will you come to him today? I want you to bow your head with me in prayer. We'll sing our final carol here in just a moment. But let's just pray and ask the Lord to seal these little thoughts in our hearts and minds. Father, we do give thanks that our eyes have been opened and we acknowledge that there is one God. God. But we rejoice to know the truth that Job didn't have on that day, that there's one God and one mediator. There is a daysman betwixt us. There is one who has laid hold on thee and laid hold on us and brought us together. We praise thee for our dear savior, Jesus Christ. We rejoice and we are happy to praise thee for the day that he was born, that he might take away our sins. We pray tonight for those who are here and are still not quite sure if they're ready for their day of judgment, for their court appearing, their hearing. We pray that tonight they might recognize that there is a mediator. There is an advocate. There's a Savior who stands ready today to save them, ready today to wash away their sins, to give them new life in Christ. And we pray that even tonight through this Christmas carol service in a tent on a field, that someone would be born again. Work by thy spirit, we pray. I pray that the child of God may be uplifted as we think about our wonderful daysman who stands between us and thee, ever living to make intercession for us. And it's in his name we pray, the name of Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen.